Good evening. Well, I apologize for not being here this morning. I got called into, the, into work at the last minute uh, this week. So, and I appreciate Rick and uh, Rick's flexibility um, in, uh, to take this morning, and I appreciate it. Um, uh, before we get started, I, I would like to uh, make just a couple, couple of announcements. <clears throat> uh, for those, we're, we're still uh, working on the door-to-door -door ministry. Um, and uh, if, you're, if you're interested, in going door to door in Claremont, uh, passing out tracts, and just sharing the gospel with, with those in the area. Um, please see myself or, or Nick or, or Justin, and uh, we, we really could use the encouragement as well as it, it's, uh, we're getting out the gospel to the community. Um, also, something that I'd like to, uh, for all those to pray for, I've spoken to, uh, to some of the, uh, the brothers here about going to various assemblies once we've established our um, evangelism and, and uh, as we are going door to door, um, going to various assemblies in Southern California and encouraging them in evangelism by helping them out. If you guys can remember a few years back we had Good News on the Move team that came through um, and they, they worked with us and they went door to door with us and really kind of showed us how to do it and um, that's something we've uh, kind of felt is important uh, and not only that but it, just to encourage the various assemblies um, in Southern California. So I, I would ask for your prayers. If you'd like to be a part of that, um, please uh, see myself, talk to uh, uh, Dave Dixon or, or, or Rod, um, and we'd like to really see that take off. We really want to start connecting with the, the assemblies in Southern California and working with them. This evening, um, I'd like to talk about uh, something that's, that's been on my heart for, for quite some time, and uh, it's uh, in the book of Amos. Uh, so if you turn in your Bibles to Amos chapter 4, Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, um, this is a, a very important question um, or important encouragement or, or warning. Um, so Amos chapter 12 or chapter 4 and verse 12 <clears throat> it says, Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And uh, let's just look to the Lord one more time. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, want to thank you um, once again for this day. Father, a, a day that we set aside each week um, to remember your son. And Father, to, um, we just uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity we have now to open your word. Um, we pray, Lord, uh, that... Um, your spirit would move through this uh, message, Father, that uh, we pray for clarity of thought and of speech. And, um, Father, we just ask uh, you add a blessing uh, to your word and um, in to our hearts. In your son's worthy and precious name, amen. Um, so this, this uh, thought or this, this portion here, uh, the phrase, prepare to meet your God, uh, given by Amos to the, to the children of Israel, it's a phrase that has stuck in my mind for several weeks. Um, we have a couple sayings at work, and uh, being a being a, a police officer, uh, it's very uh, military-minded, and there's a strong military background, and so a lot of those military phrases uh, float over to the police force, and uh, one of them is uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Um, so if you if you haven't gotten ready, um, you're already preparing to fail in the future. And the next one that I'd like to look at or 
kind of incorporate is if you're ready, you never have to get ready. And so uh, we're going to look at a couple ways that these apply to us this evening. Um, Amos, um, this, uh, this again was written to the children of Israel, and uh, Amos was a contemporary of Jonah, Hosea, and Isaiah. And this, uh, this message given to the children of Israel uh, during the time of King Uzziah and Jeroboam II. And it was written, uh, the book of Amos was written to them uh, or was given to uh, Israel uh, for two problems, two major sins that were going on in, in, during that time. One of them was a lack of true worship. Um, apathy and idolatry had crept in to, um, to, the, to the worship in Israel, and there was a lack of true worship, and then there was a lack of justice. Um, they, they had kind of turned from the Lord, and the rich were being oppressive and corrupt, uh, taking advantage, and um, then uh, the religious services were basically just a sham, just a show. And this was a, uh, a message given from Amos to, to the children of Israel to prepare to meet your God. Um, judgment was coming. Um, Amos saw the dread, dreadful um, uh, clouds of judgment were on the horizon, and, and he warned the people. And this is one of the messages throughout the book of Amos. I feel that this message here applies to every single person on the face of the earth, um, both to those of us who have accepted the Lord and are believers, but also to the lost. And oftentimes this is used as a gospel verse um, to prepare to meet your God. Um, but it also applies to those of us who are believers. Um, are we ready right now here sitting in these in Claremont Bible Chapel tonight, are we ready to meet God tonight? Um, would, we be, would we be ready to go? And these are some of the things I'd like to take a look at. Um, the first portion we're going to look at is in John. So every, uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. It's going to be a familiar story to most. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say unto you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now we have this man, Nicodemus. Uh, again, it's a familiar story to most. Um, he was a, a religious man. Uh, he was a good man. And um, we learn later in, in John that he was a very wealthy man, uh, providing um, approximately 100 pounds or so of spices for the burial of the Lord. He had, if you looked at him, all his ducks in a row. He was trying really, really hard to do the right thing and to get to heaven. Um, but the one thing that was missing was that he was a sinner on his way to hell. And it's hard for us to imagine that because he was such a good person. He was a leader of the Jews. He was a teacher. Um, he was very, very religious. Um, but as we'll see, that, that, that doesn't mean um, anything in the eyes of God. Um, one thing that does set him apart from the rest of the Pharisees is that he was searching for God. He wanted to know more. And this is where we, uh, the, the, the scene takes place. He's, he's coming after the Lord. Um, his, his entire life, he was trying his best to prepare himself to meet God, um, doing what he was taught in, in, in the synagogue and in the temple. Um, even though he was religious and wealthy and a good person, he was still lacking something. Um, he was seeking uh, further teaching from Jesus. Um, obviously, he was hearing what uh, Jesus was preaching in the synagogues and on the street, and he wanted to know more. Um, there are many religions out here, uh, especially during this time in our lives, that teach that Jesus was a good person, that he was a good teacher, um, that he was even a prophet, and he was a good man. Um, but that's not enough. It's not enough to simply believe that Jesus was a good man, that he lived, that he died. Um, in, J in James chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Um, the demons know that Jesus, who he was. Um, we, we see many accounts of, of demons crying out, and, and even, they were giving the truth um, that Jesus was the Son of God. Um, and they knew it, but they're obviously on their way to hell. So there was a, um, uh, Nicodemus was still lacking something, and he came to Jesus in the wrong way. Um, he, in, uh, uh, sorry, in verse 2, he comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a good teacher come from God, uh, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he realized that there was something different about Jesus um, but he calls him a good teacher. Um, Jesus' response doesn't seem to answer the question that Nicodemus gave. Um, but what Jesus does is he redirects Nicodemus to the heart of the matter and to the heart of the problem. Um, in, in verse 3, um, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, Nic uh, what the Lord was telling Nicodemus was that you're seeking for teaching, um, but the heart of the matter is that you were, you were dead spiritually, um, that you were born dead spiritually, um, and that you must be born from above, otherwise you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
So in order to prepare to meet God, you must be born again. What does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? Uh, the, the phrase is often thrown out and um, people call themselves born again Christians or born again believers. But what does that truly mean? Um, although we were all born physically, we were all born dead spiritually. In Romans 5.12 it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and, th and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And in 1 Corinthians 15.22 uh, we read, For as in Adam all die. So all those that have been born physically with an earthly father have been born with this problem of sin. We were all born dead spiritually. Um, there was only one person in the history of the world that was born without an earthly father, and he is the only one qualified to take away our sins, as we will see in a minute. Um, in verse 5, um, Jesus um, talks about the problem of sin. Uh, sin separates us from God. And in verse 5, we, say, we read, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The, the one thing that hinders us from enter, entering into heaven is sin. Sin separates us from God. It makes us unclean. Um, uh, in Romans uh, 3.23, a, a familiar verse to us all, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in 6.23, we read, For the wages or the payment of sin is death. And in Hebrews, we learn that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Um, we needed divine, perfect blood to be shed on our behalf. And that um, there was only one perfect man who could shed that blood, and that's Jesus Christ. And we have that, uh, that provision, God's provision in verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And one thing that I've always found helpful when reading the Bible, especially verses like this, is to put my name in that verse. Um, for God so loved David that he gave his only begotten son. And, and if we put each of our names in this verse, um, it makes it more personable. And, and it really opens our eyes to what, what took place on that cross. In Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrate his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, Christ's sacrificial death on the cross paid the penalty for the sins of the world. Um, so God, God has provided this provision. He has sent his son. He has taken care of the problem of sin. So now what is, our, what is man's response to this? Um, God, does, God did his part. Now what's our part? In Acts 16.31 we read that uh, we learn that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the um, step to salvation. In Romans 10, 9-10 it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then we have a beautiful promise in verse 13 of Romans. For whosoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, so we have God's provision. We have man's response. This is, this is what man needs to do in order to be saved. What's the warning? In John 3.16, we learn that belief is, the, is um, where we get our salvation from, that Jesus paid for those sins on the cross, that he died, he rose again. Uh, he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and that um, um, if you believe, you will be saved. 
But in John 3.18, we have a warning. And it says, um, he who believes in him is not condemned. He, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Um, a lot of people, especially going door to door and talking to people out on the street, believe that the gospel message is very negative. Um, they, they think that it's, it's very condemning. Um, you're just telling me that I'm a sinner, that I'm on my way to hell. Um, the gospel is the complete opposite. Um, that's why the, 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 the gospel actually means good news. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a joy and it's a privilege to tell people that, yes, you are a sinner. Yes, you are on your way to hell. But that there's a God in heaven who loves you and that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. And that if you receive that gift, you can know for sure where um, you will be with him for all eternity. Um, but there is a warning. If you reject that gift, you are condemned to a place that was created um, by God for Satan and his angels. Um, and um, it's interesting that Jesus spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. Um, I think that's important for us to realize. Um, the worst part of hell is our separa the separation from God. Um, that, that, the, the separation from a loving heavenly father is the worst part of hell. Um, then there's the fire that's unquenchable that will never go out for all eternity. Um, utter darkness. Um, it's a warning to us all, and it's a warning that we need to pass on to those that don't know, that haven't heard. Um, I enjoyed the, uh, the, the hymns this evening, um, going into all the world and telling the untold millions of this gospel message. Um, Belshazzar, who was a king of Babylon, it says in Daniel 5, 6, that his knees knocked when he found out that he was going to meet God. Um, he was so scared at the fact that he was going to meet God that his knees physically shook together. Um, he wasn't prepared. Um, Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, um, especially if you're not prepared. Um, before God, I must ask you tonight, um, and I pray that everybody can answer this question in this room. If you were to die today and stood before God in heaven, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What, what would be your answer? Um, are you prepared to answer this question right now? Um, the, next, the next portion that I'd like to take a look at very quickly. Um, I don't know what time. Okay. Sorry. It's very confusing with these two clocks. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's for the believers, for those of us that have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it's the phrase, if you are ready, you never have to get ready. Um, so are we, as believers uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, prepared to meet God today? If the timer was to run out on your clock, and tonight you were to stand before the Lord, and your life that you've lived thus far was all that you had to stand before him, would you be ready to pre present that to the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, and this is something that, that scares me sometimes. Um, oftentimes we don't think about things like this until we have a near-death experience or we get sick and we're in the hospital or things like that. But I think if we change our mindset and, and think about these things right now, um, it, this could change our life. Um, living every day as if we, this was going to be our last day. Um, so how can we prepare ourselves? There's three ways I'd like to focus on. 
although there's many. And the first one is in Ephesians chapter 4. How are we as believers preparing ourselves to meet God? And how can we prepare ourselves? <coughs> Ephesians 4, in verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner <coughs> excuse me, of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which, with which you were called. <clears throat> so we are to prepare to meet God by our walk. How are we, how are we to walk? Uh, an interesting study I encourage you to do is just study the, the word walk in the book of Ephesians. And, and, it, and it pops up time and time again. Uh, but what, does it, what, what does our walk mean? And we've talked about this in the past, but a walk is a continuous, frequent, and familiar association. No knowledge and experience, um, behavior, or the way we carry ourselves. That's our walk. So I, I asked you tonight, how is your walk? How are you doing? Um, how do we carry ourselves at school and at work? Um, how do we carry ourselves in the assembly? And do all these areas match? Do we walk the same way here as we do out there? Um, um, we often ask ourselves, what, what will it cost me to walk with God? Um, what will I have to give up? What, 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 what's it going to take? Um, when I was younger, I used, I used to be scared to death um, to pray to the Lord, do whatever you want with my life, because I didn't necessarily want to go to Africa. I didn't want to go to the deepest, darkest jungles, and it, and it scared me. Um, and this was when I was younger, because I, I had a tight grip on what my plans were for, the, for my life. Um, a better qu question to ask is, what will it cost me to not walk with God? Um, what will that look like before the judgment seat of Christ? Um, uh, what will my time with the Lord be like when I meet with him? So how are we to walk? Um, uh, another way is, is in Micah 6.8, and it says, um, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Um, we are to walk humbly with the Lord. Um, and, and we have the perfect example of what it means to walk humbly with God. Um, in Philippians 2.8 it says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. To walk humbly with God means to walk as Jesus walked. Um, the creator of the universe came down, took on flesh, walked as a man, um, walked as a homeless man, had no place to lay down his head, um, even though this is the world that he created, and he served the very creatures that were going to put him on the cross. Um, complete and utter humility by the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we, we often sing a hymn in the breaking of bread, um, what was it um, that brought thee down, down to the depths in which I lay, that made thee leave thy glory throne, in servant's form to tread thy way, yet lower still to death to go, that I might never judgment know. And not only that, he's still serving as our intercessor in heaven, um, complete and utter humility um, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he taught his disciples that it's not a fight to the top, but that it's a fight to the bottom. If you want to be a servant and a follower and a disciple of Lord Jesus Christ, it's not who can be the best as the argument was at the table, 
um, but it too can serve the other. And, and we have that example when Jesus washed their feet. Um, another way that we are to walk before God and, and, and how we are to walk is by good works. Now, uh, I appreciate um, Mike's ministry and talking about this pendulum swing. And I think we, we see it all over the place, how we, 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 we preach against you know, salvation by works so much because we know that it's not by works. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. So we preach against salvation by works so much that we forget that works are still good. And we still need to do these good works. In fact, in the very next verse, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for or unto good works, which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So um, works don't save us, but we're still to do good works. And, and the Lord still wants them. Um, in in uh, James 2, 18, um, a, a familiar portion that we always look to when talking about works, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Um, and we have many examples of that in the, in the Bible. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Um, missionaries from the Muslim countries um, are coming back and reporting that the Muslims are completely reject the gospel. They, they reject the word of God. They're, they're, they're very militant against it. But the one door that opens time and time again is good works. And, and as we are, are showing forth and doing good works here in the community of Claremont, in the workplace, in our families, in, in all these circles that we're in, these things open the door to opportunities for the gospel. And that's, that's the important part. Um, and that's why we should do them. Um, lastly, let's look at Ephesians 5 and verse 2. <clears throat> Ephesians 5 and verse 2, and this is the last uh, walking uh, portion that we're going to take a look at, although there are many in Ephesians. Um, it, says, uh, it says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us. And the last one we're going to look at is walking in love. Walking in love for one another. And we've, we've heard several messages from this platform about how important it is for us to love one another. Um, Ephesians 4 talks about unity. It talks about um, working together and being of one mind. Um, we see that throughout the entire book of Acts. They were in one accord. They prayed together. They worked together. And they loved one another. And they served one another. One of the greatest examples that I can, physical examples that I can remember is a story of an, uh, of an assembly, and it was a very well-off neighborhood. Um, everybody dressed very nice, and a local college kid came in, and he was in jeans and a t-shirt and uh, bare feet walking into the assembly, and this made everybody kind of uneasy. Um, he wasn't dressed appropriately, and... Um, as he walked in, the place was packed. Uh, even to the front row, there was no seats um, for him to sit. So as he came in, he just walked down the aisle and sat down on the floor, Indian style, right in front of the pulpit. Um, very untraditional, very out of the ordinary, and this just didn't sit right with everybody. Everybody was kind of squirming in their chairs. Well, an elderly, arthritic, older man um, gets up and breaks another tradition and walks down the aisle and very carefully and painfully 
sits down right next to that man. Um, and it's because he didn't want that man to feel unwanted and unloved. And this is what we as believers need to show to one another, to love each other, to care for one another. And this is what they will talk about. They'll talk about, they'll be able to see that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Um, another way, of the, 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 the next point of what we are to do to prepare to meet God is to evangelize, to go out into the world and preach the gospel. In Mark 16, 15, it says, and go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Um, are we prepared to meet God by evangelizing the lost world? Have we told everybody that we wanted to tell about um, God's love and what he's done for them? Again, if the Lord were, were to pull the plug on you tonight, um, would, you, would, would you be satisfied? Or would there be that one coworker that you wish you had talked to at the water cooler or that one family member that you wish you just would have sent a letter to? Um, and and this, is, this is what we need to be doing. Uh, we need to be ready to preach the gospel in season and out of season. Um, and, and, and always being ready to give a, an answer or a defense for the gospel. Um, it's interesting, it says in the Bible that we are to do the work of an evangelist. It doesn't say that you are an evangelist, it just says do the work of an evangelist. I think a lot of times we, we feel uncomfortable. It's, it's very awkward to share the gospel with people and to just talk to a random person. Some people, that's their cup of tea and they're just built to talk to whoever. Um, but then some of us are real shy and, you know, we keep to ourselves. And so we say, well, I'm just, I'm not an evangelist. And that's okay, because the Bible says you don't have to be, just do the work of the evangelist. And um, um, the, when the Bible talks about preach, it means to herald or to, 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 to give it out, to spread it. Um, not just because you, you don't, the, the excuse that I don't have the gift is, is not good enough. Um, if we don't have the gift of hospitality, does that mean that we never have to invite people into our homes? I mean, we, we can't make these excuses. Um, one thing that we have to do before we go out is pray for strength. Um, pray for strength and then pray for opportunities to give the gospel. And, and the Lord opens doors in marvelous ways. And, and he will bring people to you that will ask you questions. Uh, like um, Magdi was sharing uh, a few weeks ago about... Um, that one Muslim man in, in the jail and, and being able to give him the gospel and, and looking for opportunities to do so. Um, one way that I find that I, that I like to do, um, although personal one-on-one -on -one evangelism with a friend, a family member, a coworker, that, that's the best time because you're really able to, to sit and talk with them. Um, but we have opportunities and we bump into people all the time. And one way that I like to do is, is at the gas station. I always have CDs in my truck or in my car. And as I'm standing on this side of the pump and they're standing on that side of the pump, there's like an awkward two minutes or so when you're both not really trying to look at each other and you're just waiting for your car to go. Well, it's a perfect opportunity to get a, get, give a CD to that person. Everybody has CD players now. And just give them the gospel and, and just say, hey, here's something to listen to on your drive to work. And I've had one person refuse just one and sometimes I'm so compelled to give it to them I'm chasing people in cars and stopping them and stuff like that but um, just the person on the other side of the gas pump just give them the CD share the gospel with them one thing that we need to be um, ready for and we uh, we need to be willing to evangelize 
What's our motivation? Um, what, um, why should we be concerned about the lost? And it's what we just talked about. The, the, they're going to hell. Um, they're perishing. People are dying. In Matthew 5, 25, 46, it says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Um, we have friends and family members. Um, the the, the 35,457 souls that are here in Claremont um, that haven't heard the gospel. Um, they need to hear it. They need to know. Um, does hell bother us? Does, does it really concern us? Do, do we sometimes just try to put it out of our mind? Um, we're, we're saved, but um, not thinking in, or in concern with those that are around us. Um, do we just pass by people? Um, we, we, we often are, are looking at the story of the Good Samaritan and you know, pointing fingers at this Jewish man that would walk on the other side of the street to, to get around this person. But are we doing the same thing when we're walking past these people and you know that person's on his way to hell? Um, William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army, and I've shared this before. He said the best seminary for evangelism would be 30 seconds in hell. After that, you wouldn't be afraid to share the gospel. You wouldn't be concerned if, if that's going to hurt somebody's feelings or offend them, or maybe your relationships will be broken. Um, you'd be so concerned and, and so um, in fear that these people are going there that you wouldn't be ashamed. Um, wouldn't worry about the neighbors and the coworkers. Evangelism is critical. To watch another human being dying physically in our presence and not doing anything about it would be criminal. Everybody, it'd be on the five o'clock news and you'd be plastered all over everywhere. Um, but are we doing that same thing when we're watching these people walk right past us in the grocery stores and at the, the, the restaurant or the, the waiter at the restaurant? Um, what we need is a, is a dose of passion. And I think Mike um, gave a really good message about that. And, and um, you know, you go to sporting events and you see people with faces painted and cheering and, you know, gr grown men are hugging each other. They don't even know each other. And they're, they're so passionate about a game where this guy gets the ball over that line and gets some points on the board. And there's so much passion about that. Are we passionate about the gospel, about saving people, about seeing people get saved, about spreading the good news. Um, Paul was passionate. He, he was being spent. He, he, he wanted to be spent and be spent for, for the sake of these people. Um, and I've read this before, and I'd, 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 rather, I'd like to read it one more time. It says, this is a letter from an unsaved friend. It said, my friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you are to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you day by day. Never did you show the way. You knew the Savior in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand before eternal hell because of heaven's glory you did not tell. Um, when, when should we start to evangelize? And when should we stop evangelizing? Um, uh, we have faithful brothers who have gone and stepped foot on every single country on this planet and have shared the gospel with people. Um, do we have that same passion, that desire to see the lost saved? Um, we need to be faithful in evangelism. 
In, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, this, this message is, is, is about cheerful giving, but I'd like to apply it for this. It says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And, and if, we're, if we're passing out, you know, a track a day, and that, that's good. Um, and, and like Jabe says, you know, if, if you catch one fish, um, that's great, unless you're a commercial fisherman. Um, and then you're going to go out of business. And, and we need to be commercial fishermen for the Lord. Um, and it, should be, it shouldn't just be a hobby or something that we do on our free time, but it should be a lifestyle. Um, we should be living out the gospel in our everyday lives. Um, if, you, if you talk to Danny and, and anybody on the good, good News on the Move team that went from coast to coast, there are still people here in the United States that have never heard the gospel, that don't know who Jesus Christ is, that don't know who God is. That's here in America. Um, not, that's not even you know, considering the third world countries. Um, so we need to, we need to be out there. Um, the last and the, the final way that we sh should prepare to meet God is to watch and pray. Um, does this mean that, um, or let's, let's turn to this in, in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. If we live every day as if the Lord was going to come back today, um, what would that look like? How would that change our daily activities? Um, would we go to work that day? If we knew that the Lord was going to come back, would we, would we go to work that day? Or would we be running up and down the street, calling everybody we know, trying to give them the gospel? Um, obviously, we're, we are to, to continue to go to work. I'm not saying don't go to work. But um, in Mark chapter 13, verse 32... But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going into a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Um, the interpretation um, is that the, the, the second coming happens in two parts. Um, the first is the rapture of the, the church, and that's what we uh, read about in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. Um, the, the second is the, the public aspect of his return when he comes down and sets foot on this earth. And this is what we're talking about here. So we're going to take this slightly out of context and apply this to the rapture. Um, and, and the signs, um, the signs of the end times of the tribulation. No one knows the hours. Um, we don't know when the Lord is coming back. Um, as these wars and rumors of wars and as Russia and all these, these things that are going on in the Middle East, um, earthquakes are happening all the time. Um, things that are, that are signs to us are taking place here and now. Um, if you're ready, you never have to get ready. Um, does this mean that we are to sit, you know, like if, if you're waiting for a guest to come over to your house, that you just sit by the front door and stare at it and not do anything, you know, or to sell all our houses and move up to a mountain and just wait? No, no. We are to continue to work and labor and, and, and share the gospel with these people. Um, take heed. The, the word take heed is mentioned three times in this chapter. Um, and and, and he, again, we, we see watch and pray. 
Um, what does it mean to watch? Um, we've, we've mentioned this before, but it means to be uh, sleepless, not just being awake. Um, sometimes you can be awake, but asleep, you know, some, like, that was me throughout all of high school. Um, you're awake, but you're asleep. Um, but it means to be watchful and to be alert. Um, th there's a sense of responsibility when you're to watch. Um, when you're set as a watch in the military, you are the first line of defense. You are the, the, the whistleblower if the enemy is to come. And you have to be alert and watching the horizon for the enemy to come. Um, in Nehemiah 4.9, uh, Nehemiah prayed to God for protection and set a watch on the project of, of rebuilding the walls um, because the enemies were coming. Later, he tells the workers to um, have a tool in one hand and a sword in the other, to be watchful and to be ready for the Lord's return. Um, uh, they were working and watching. Um, what I say to you, I say to all, are we supposed to sit on our hands and watch? The servants were given a work, but they were um, to watch as they worked. Each, each one had a responsibility here in this, in this portion. Um, sorry, we're running out of time here. Um, and there's a different, the, the, the difference between waiting and watching. Um, and there, there should be an, an expectation we should be expecting the Lord's return every single day, um, an, an eagerness, an excitedness about him coming back, and then a readiness for his return. Um, and, and the last one that we were supposed to uh, be concerned with, watch, it says, and pray. Pray for those relatives that aren't saved yet. Um, pray for the Lord's return. Um, most Christians say that prayer is their weakest part of their spiritual life, and yet... As we learned with, when Mike was here, um, we agree that prayer is probably the most important part of our spiritual walk, or, 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 or our, our success depends on prayer. Um, what is prayer? Uh, Cameron Thompson says, prayer is the spreading out of our helplessness and that of others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before the loving eyes of a father who knows and understands and cares and answers. Prayer is the breathing and panting of the spirit after God. It is taking hold of the willingness of God rather than overcoming of his reluctance. Um, prayer doesn't change God's will, but it aligns ours with his. Um, and nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the reach of the will of God. So, um, again, this, this, this message that we have in Amos, preparing to meet God. It applies to us all. If you haven't put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, before the Lord, I beg you that you do not leave this building before you've done so. Um, if you have any questions, please search. Seek for those answers. Like Nicodemus came. He came at night. But, and, and oftentimes we think, oh, he came at night because he was you know, afraid of, of you know, being seen by the, disciples, by the other Pharisees or by the crowds. I kind of lean towards the fact that his heart was pricked, and he didn't want to wait until morning. Um, so there's, there's an eagerness. There's a readiness. We have to be searching for the Lord. And for those of us that are saved, are we prepared to meet God today? Would be, are we ready for his, uh, his coming? If the Lord was to take us home now, or if we were to, um, to, to, to perish in a, in a car accident or, or what have you, 
would we be ready to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and present our life to him? Um, and, and if we're not, there's still time. Um, and and, and we, we can make that change right now. Um, let's just close in a word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you once again for this uh, time we have to spend in your word. Father, we thank you for this message um, given to us um, uh, through the book of Amos, Father, to prepare to meet you. Um, Father, I just pray um, for um, the unsaved. Father, I pray for the, the 35,000 lost souls um, in this area, Father. Father, for all those lost souls in Southern California, Father, I just pray that you would give us uh, the answer, Father, that you would show us how to reach them. Father, I pray that you would uh, give us a, a dose of passion for the lost. I pray also for our walk with you, Lord, that you would show us how we are to prepare to meet you. Father, show us what are the weights and the sins that are in our lives that are hindering us from running um, well and finishing well. Um, Father, I just pray, Lord, um, ultimately for revival. Uh, Father, it's been a theme on all of our hearts. Um, Father, we know that you want revival more than we do. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would show us what we have to do um, to, um, to let you, let your spirit do a work in us. Father, I just pray that you would um, take us home in safety and that uh, you would uh, put your, uh, uh, you would add your blessing on each of us um, as we go on uh, through our day-to-day -day walk uh, the rest of this week. I pray all this in your son's worthy and precious name. Amen.